It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. And today, Brandon and I are joined by the one and only Dr. Sean Jacobs. You may remember Sean from our competitive eating podcast last year when he and Kyle took on the Big T Challenge at Henry's here in Columbia, South Carolina. But we are so excited to not only have Sean on the podcast, but to have Sean as a colleague of ours at Vertex. He is a phenomenal physical therapist and strength conditioning coach. And today, we are getting into the topic of jujitsu. This is an activity that that Sean has recently picked up, and also he's got some experience treating some of these athletes in in the clinic as well. So we get to attack this from a few different angles. So really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, please go on, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, give us five stars. It's also a great place to leave a comment or a question so we have some topics for future episodes. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Brandon and I are so excited to have a special guest on today. But first, you know, we have to say a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And, of course, our own uh, Brandon Vaughn here with, with Lil Scarlet and Baby Bo on the way. So, Brandon, first, happy Father's Day, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, did you all have a good day? you do some fun stuff? We did. Uh, yeah, because it's also my birthday today. So yeah, uh, happy birthday too, geez, man! It's a special day in the Vaughn household. Yeah, appreciate that. We, uh, you know, the family and I, we skipped church today and, and got brunch with the rest of the heathens out there because that's what you got to do here in the South, man. If you want to avoid the lines, you got to be the church crowd. Um, but other than that, got a workout in, just spent some time with the family. My wife is about to pop, man. Uh, my son is going to be here literally any day now. It could be during this podcast. Um, so we're staying close to home, man. Man, we actually yeah. had a false alarm a couple nights ago. I had to go to the hospital. That wasn't very fun, but oh man, what it is. Jeez, yeah. Well, I guess Bo's, Bo's ready to come say hi to us, and we can't wait to meet him, man. It's going to be so yeah. awesome. That's He's already cool. an outlaw, man. He's doing his own thing. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, um, again, all the all the dads out there listening, man, happy Father's Day. Um, my dad, too. I have no idea. I don't think he listens anyway, but uh, happy Father's Day to my dad out there, too. But um, today, getting into the episode, we are so uh, happy to have Dr. Sean Jacobs back on for round two. Uh, technically the first solo time Sean's been on here. We did have him back on. You may remember our competitive eating podcast back in the day. So Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. What's up? Brandon, happy birthday. I didn't, I didn't realize today was your birthday too, man. So happy birthday on that. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm so excited to be back, guys. Yeah, last time was last time was a blast. We uh, It was the integrated kinetic neurology course mm-hmm. and all the, uh, the competitive eating big T challenge review. So I'm uh, yeah. excited 
get on here and have, have another fun one with you guys. Gotcha. Yeah, man, and that that seems so long ago. The Big T Challenge. You know, they still yeah, haven't put up the. Years. You know, yeah. they still haven't even put up Kyle's photo after after like actually finishing it. That, that's it's been a year. I know, yeah. man. I'm I'm really right. disappointed, man. That photo I feel like should have been put up there immediately since it's such a rare uh, a rare feat out there. But, um, oh, I know. I've, yeah. I've got a hard copy of the photo that I'm just gonna put up there next time I go. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome, man. That's awesome. That, that's, that's clearly the only solution. That's the only way it's gonna happen. Yep. Yeah, it's got it's gotta be that way. So. Yep. Well, anyway, man, we appreciate you taking the time. And today's topic we're getting into is jujitsu. Yeah. So this is uh, something that um, you know you and Brandon have a little bit of a background in treating. And now I understand you know you're getting into it a little bit yourself. So, man, talk to me about uh, kind of where you are from, like you know your progression into some of this jujitsu stuff, and then also um, let's let's get into some of the the demands of the sport, some of the treatment. Man, uh, I kind of want to just uh, start from the beginning, man. This beginner perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to come out and say right off the bat, like, I am so new. I literally don't even have a white belt yet. Like, it's very, very, very new to me. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the intricacies of the sport and, you know, all the things that take a long time to kind of get to know. And if, if I sound like a total idiot on here, like I'm talking about jiu-jitsu, that's because I am. So um, for, please forgive me, uh, all you jiu-jitsu uh, veterans out there. Well, my way through this stuff. Um, the reason that I first picked up or got involved was because as a, as a physical therapist in Columbia down here, there is actually um, a, a really, really great gym pretty close to our clinic. And we had seen a couple of their members uh, come in for various things. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard about it and I was, I'm a big, big UFC fan. And I know that that's, that's one of the martial arts that is kind of involved in um, mixed martial arts. Um, but you know, I never really dove directly, deeply into jujitsu itself. So um, for me, I was kind of like, I feel comfortable treating, you know, my niche has always been kind of barbell sports. It's been powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit. That's kind of been my clinical background. Um, martial arts has not ever really been a huge piece of my personal. I, I wrestled growing up, um, but it's been so long that even a lot of that stuff is kind of kind of old news. So um you know, working with these people, hearing the stories and the different injuries and stuff like that, I was like, man, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like I need to put my money where my mouth is. If I'm going to be working with these people and treating their injuries, I, I try to have as much firsthand experience with, um, with different sports and different athletes like this in, in, in the niche and on the fringes um, as possible. So I recently started going to, to deep waters um, and it's been, it's been a great, great experience over there. They, uh, one of our former, one of our former um, clients, I'm trying not to, you know, keep HIPAA in mind here. <laughs> told me, man, you got to come over and check us out. And I said, you know what, I'm going to. So I went over there, um, had a free one week trial and absolutely loved it. So I uh, put money down and now I'm a full-fledged member and it's been, uh, it's been awesome. Every single day I go there, it is uh, the most humbling and the most uh, rewarding thing I've done. That's kind of what that's awesome, man. And, and you know, I, I like what you said about the, the reasons why you joined. Cause I think that that's so important as therapists for us to do whatever we can to familiarize ourselves with the people that we're treating. And if it means in this case, actually participate in the sport. Um, but one thing I wanted to do real quick is just thinking about our audience out there. As a lot of it is physical therapists, students, things like that. Would you mind just giving a brief overview to the listeners about what jujitsu is? Because I think people that are unfamiliar are either going to have no clue Blue, what the martial art is, what the goal of it is, or just assume that even when it does jujitsu as a person that's fighting in a cage. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is where I'm probably going to put my foot in my mouth a million times. Um, but to my, to my, to the best of my knowledge, jujitsu is um, kind of a an art of grappling with the objective of getting the other person to either to submit or to, to submit due to a compromised position with either the arm, the leg, any body part that you can, you can find. And there, there are, it seems like there are literally millions of different ways to get people to submit or um, tap them out and, um, or, or choke them, which is like, it seems just so strange putting it that way. But it, when, you're, uh, when, when you're rolling around and, uh, and basically trying to put yourself in these different positions, the, the body basically goes through, you know, even when, you're on the, even when you're on the offense, you're always on the defense. And even when you're on the defense, you're always kind of on the offense. And there's, a, there's a, basically thousands of different transitions from one position into the next that you're trying to, to do different uh, grips and different grabs and different, uh, different attacks, different defenses. And that can further be broken down into either gi jujitsu or no gi jujitsu. No gi just meaning you're not wearing the um, the outfit that is tr is traditional in the sport or in the art, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I have only been doing no gi just because I've been kind of barely, you know, taking it slow and getting myself into it. And I'm soon going to try out the gi, but right now it's still so much to, to kind of wrap my head around. Um, I think that's to the best of my knowledge and kind of have what I've experienced, that's been, that's, that's what I've gotten so far out of it. Gotcha. Now, I, I like that explanation. And, and just for, for clarification, when, when Sean says gi, think Danielson and the Karate Kid, you know, what you typically see in and, and, and a lot of different types of martial arts. And, but but, but I, I like that because I think that a lot of people have this misconception that jiu-jitsu is a brute sport. But I think the best way to describe it is it's like human chess. I mean, it's, it takes more than athleticism. It, it, it takes a lot of intelligence, really, to have success and win. And, and it's really the fine details and, and the experience uh, from practice and matches and things like that. And, you know, it's almost like, like chain wrestling. You know, you have to have five different options at your disposal in your head and try to predict what your opponent's going to do in order to stay one step ahead. And Because if you make a mistake, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's checkmate, right? You're either going to get tapped or you're going to get choked and, and it's going to be game over. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, the goals of it are seemingly very aggressive, but the actual act of it is way more almost relaxed and fluid than I anticipated. And you know, coming from wrestling, wrestling like if you end up on your back, it, that's the worst position to be in. So every every fiber in your being is you know trying to fight your way off your back. Um, whereas in jujitsu, that being on your back is, is not not the best thing in the world, but it's all, there's honestly no problem with it um, if you're your backing is good, then you can, you can do a lot of stuff from there. So it's almost like there's a, there are countless different options and um, you kind of need to use your, you use your opponent just as much as you do yourself almost mm -hmm. uh, with the end objective being putting stress on different body parts. That's sometimes why we end up seeing people in, in the clinic is because um, even though nobody's in there trying to rip each other's heads off, you know, things do happen. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I get firsthand feel for and what, why, to get in there myself and sure. if if our viewers have not seen the original product kid you probably just need to turn the podcast for <laughs> yeah. yes 
that's a must for sure. Now, um, Sean, for just for kind of my own knowledge, my background is in Taekwondo. So it's a different type of martial art and there's no real ground aspect to it. So I'm, I'm kind of picturing this as, uh, you know, in my head of, in terms of what like a, a daily session looks like. So, um, you know, you're going to the gym, you're going to go roll, like kind of how does it work? What, um, how do they set things up? How much time is spent working on various skills or maneuvers? How much time this work, you know, is, is almost more of like, you know, rounds on and then time off then time on then time off can, uh, can you explain a little bit about just how it works yeah for sure um i've so i think some of that is definitely at the discretion of the uh of, of the guy leading the class of the instructor um because I've, I've been i've had several different instructors and each one kind of has a little bit of a different flow um but so the way i'm going to go over the way the, the way the 5 a.m class works um when i've been going has been typically you know it's an hour-long session so get there most people get there a little bit early and it's uh, basically the gym kind of looks like it's it's pretty small but it's one gigantic uh, mat it's a, like kind of like a wrestling mat with, with padded walls and stuff like that so it's a very efficient use of the space for for what we're doing which is rolling and grappling and stuff like that so um it's a little bit different than your typical get to the gym and um like i this is a big thing that i uh i, I was talking to some of my clients about was Hey, um, so when you get to the gym, what type of warm up? Oh, well, we kind of get there and we, we just kind of do our own thing, you know, warm, roll around a little bit, loosen up what needs to be loosened up. And that's the thing that I didn't really, you know, I, instructors lead formal group warm ups. I've seen different positions be used as group warm ups. Everybody kind of stretch out, roll out, warm up on your own. Typically, it's it's been very kind of informal and just loosening things up, you know, how you would normally. So we'll um, we usually get it going by doing some, working on different drills. And as far as I can tell, the drills are kind of just um, instructor's choice, or they've been what we've been working on the last week or two, where it's kind of like a continuation. As, as I've hit on before, there are what seem like millions of different positions and transitions and uh, things that you could work on. So I don't think that there's like, it's, it's kind of hard for me to imagine there being a specific structure of, or a way to, to build into it. That's been my experience so far anyways. It's just been kind of pick up where everybody else is, do your best to kind of fill in the gaps. And then, um, so we spend about 30 minutes or so, the first half of the class or the first 45 minutes of drilling. And that's where you're with a partner, you're one-on-one, -on -one, um, you go over a specific position, a specific drill, and it's a specific movement in order to either set something else up or um, to tap the person up. So it's kind of like a very slow, very controlled, you know, I go, you go type of thing where the instructor will come around and give feedback to you. You're, you're kind of working back and forth, so you're giving each other feedback. And then um, we'll, we'll do two or three different drills and just kind of focus on those for a little while. And then there's almost always some sort of like rolling, which is basically sparring, but um, the grappling version. So. There's, there are no, I should clarify, um, I, mean, I did, a little, did a little bit of Taekwondo in the pit. Um, this is pretty different because there are no, there's no striking. So you don't need, you don't need any pads or anything. We pretty much bring like a mouth guard. Um, here's optional. But um, all of this is just kind of on the ground. And it, we start either from like from standing up. So there's a takedown involved or on the ground working from different positions. But the rolling part is basically five minutes of just kind of sparring, essentially, where you go with someone and you're, you're trying in real time to tap them out or choke them out, um, of which I have definitely been getting tapped out and choked out. <laughs> but, um, 
So we're basically trying to survive for five minutes and then the rounds up, you get a minute break, switch. So in a one hour session, you'll probably have 30 to 40 minutes of drilling, like very slow controlled practice, and then 20 to 30 minutes of sparring. Awesome. So, so you did a, a good job, you know, basically explaining to us what jujitsu is and kind of painting the picture for how a typical you know, practice or, or class or a session is run. But w- would you mind also just explain a little about, or maybe, maybe give us an avatar, if you will, of the type of person that you have seen or the type of t- person that you might see in the clinic, in the PT setting for someone who is either a jujitsu enthusiast or, or competes. Cause I know for some people, you know, th- they're not competitive. It's just, it's a hobby for them. It's a way they stay fit. It might be their golf or, or their CrossFit and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that, you know, I don't, from what I've seen, there honestly isn't like a specific type of person that you would, you would say, Oh, that guy does jujitsu. You know, typically they're, um, all ages, sizes, um, men, women, huge, small. Um, I don't know what the weight classes and weight restrictions are um, for jujitsu competitively, but um, when, when we're in the gym, it's, you know, I've rolled with someone who's probably 270, and I've rolled with a girl who is maybe 120. Um, so, you know, it, it, it kind of goes, and I'm 5'7 I'm and about a buck 95. So it's kind of like, you know, you roll with who you're comfortable with and you roll with people you're not comfortable with. So in the clinic, you know, you're not going to see one specific, like one specific type of person really. Um, but you will see people who can get their body into some crazy different positions and the mobility needs at all the different joints are. Um, mm-hmm. Coming from a powerlifter's perspective, I've been having a, I've been having a tough time getting, getting into, uh, in, into some of the spots that other people can just, you know, move their leg around in ways I'm like, you know, my stuff just doesn't do that yet. But, um, so if, if you were to say, if you were to have someone do nothing but jujitsu, you know, that's their only sport growing up, I'd say you probably have someone who's freaky, calisthenically strong, who has really good control of their body. Um, I'm not sure, I don't think they would, they, they wouldn't have like an outstanding amount of muscle mass, probably just visible. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't see a guy just walk, you know, jacks, traps up to the ears or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like I'm like, I jiu-jitsu or anything, but uh, you probably, they probably would have a lot more, um, you know, clinically speaking, this kind of leads us into that topic of like what you want to look for and what you would need Mm -hmm. already kind of have considered to balance that out because everything's so forward based. They might look somewhat like a wrestler would, right? Sure. Um, You know, kind of, you can kind of spot a wrestler, you know, shoulders a little rolled forward, um, you know, kind of a forward flex posture, probably a sparkle of crazy in their eye. Um, (laughs) Jiu-jitsu. doesn't have that sparkle of crazy from, from, what, <laughs> from what I've seen so far. So, um, sorry, did that kind of answer your question or, uh, it, yeah, 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 absolutely. And, I, and that's a good, yeah. Cause I just wanted to basically emphasize that people that do jujitsu are, are going to be coming from all types of backgrounds. Like you mentioned, all different sh- shapes and sizes. And, you know, I think it's important to realize that not everybody is, is competitive. That's not their goal. I mean, this is just people's outlet. It's their social outing. It's their, their fitness, their stress relief. And, you know, I think that that means that we need to per, kind of purpose of podcast. We need to be able to familiarize ourselves with the demands of the sport in order to be able to better serve our patients. And, so you elaborate, you already kind of touched on a little bit, you talked about mobility. So, so let's talk about a little bit more. I mean, so what are the mobility demands for a jujitsu athlete? Because from what I understand, I mean, you can, you can burn your orthopedic book, right? You, if you just Google rubber guard, see what pops up, right? 
You know, it's like, it's like how much hip mobility you need, uh, enough to get my foot behind my head. <laughs> you know, what about your shoulder enough to keep from getting ripped out the socket? Right. So, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. It's uh it's definitely put a new, uh, a new light on, you know, what my hips are capable of doing <laughs> just to transitioning, you know, over someone you know, from from side control and, you know, in trying to set up an arm bar or something like that. I'm like, we well, want you to do what? Um, but so basically I'm kind of, so, you know, there's the famous line, mobility without stability equals injury, right? I always try to keep that in mind because improving mobility without the stability around it, doesn't matter what joint you're talking about, is probably not a great idea, especially when you're in, in a bunch of compromised positions. So um, I would say that there's nothing, I don't think that there's any specific um, numbers I would look for, especially because when you're seeing people who are of all different shapes, sizes, and backgrounds to begin with, you got to kind of, you know, see where they're coming from, right? If they're, if they're having hip pain, but it's not necessarily like, like they have a lot of motion, do they need more motion or do they need strength? It's that, that type of thing. Um, because you gotta, you gotta kind of take, like for me, for example, I know that getting my hips loosened, loosened up and more mobile before I roll is definitely going to be a good thing. Some people might not need to work on that. Some people might need more stability. I think that um, in all likelihood, if you if you've been do, doing jujitsu for a while, you're probably mobile enough. And a lot of the injuries that I've seen have actually been kind of like a, uh, like a stability approach, where we need to kind of build in a little bit more um, control. You know, if it's the shoulder, build in a little more reactive control and kind of calm things down, versus actually improving their external rotation or internal rotation. Or like that. So um, I would say that if you have more mobility, you're probably what you you can get away with. Right. I had someone cranking my arm into external rotation the other day. And I was like, you can just keep on going with that one. <laughs> never going to get it. Um, so it gave me, it gave me a couple seconds to kind of figure out what they were going for. And then it gave me enough time to kind of weasel my way out of that one. Whereas if I was, if I was limited there, like my, so my right arm, I'm going to give away a big secret right here. You put my right shoulder into internal rotation. I'm tapping. That's the, <laughs> that's a, that's a huge problem for me. Um, but it's kind of like, that's, that's just where I'm coming from right now. And if I loosen that up, it can be but that's kind of the approach that I take with, um, with clients and patients when I'm working with them in the clinic is like, all right, so what's, what's the biggest issue for you right now? When does it typically happen? Um, and what can we do? What's the best way to, to kind of calm that down? Is it because you have too much motion or is it because you, you have, you just need a little bit more stability or stability, different things like that. The biggest thing that I've seen, you know, is probably regarding because when you got people who are basically trying to choke you out from a bunch of different angles and put a lot of different pressure on your neck, it's, that's the one body part that is almost always taking a beating. And um, it's probably the easiest to neglect in, in the clinic and in the gym and everything like that. So that's, that's the one that it really is not meant to get cranked on the way it gets cranked on. The rest of the body, you know, it kind of is what it is. You, you, can, you can put some stuff up around there. It's, it's a lot harder to, to do that with the neck. So um, that's been the biggest issue that I've seen probably, you know, in my first couple, in my first month of, of doing it, I've been kind of already dealing with a little bit of like, you know, neck soreness and things like that, where, you know, we want to work on that position and, and build some strength around the traps and the, the scapular muscles and things like that. Kind of balance. Yeah. So uh, I, I like that, Sean. It, it, if you don't mind, expand a little bit more. So 
specifically when you talk about getting cranked on the neck, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like they're just getting like turned into a, like a ton of rotation? Are we just talking about just getting choked out? Um, with that said, what type of injuries are you seeing? And then when you say building up upper traps and building up, you know, neck musculature and that kind of thing, I know it's a, this is like a lot in this question, but, um, you know, what are some of your favorite go-tos in the clinic for these types yeah, of um, So, so yeah, the, if you're rolling with people who are good to roll with, they're not, they're not going to do anything to injure you, right? Um, they're not going to try to go in. If, they, if you're leaving your ego at the door, you're not going to go in there and have someone really try to try choke you out or anything like that. They're going to put, put put pressure on and really make you tap, but it's not going to be, you know, it's more like the accidental that I've experienced where someone goes to set something up really fast and you're kind of not ready for it and then they think you're ready for it and you kind of end up in like a, like I caught a, like a radius to the, to the throat the other day and I was like, oh man, that did not mm. Um But they're like, like getting put in a, um, a tri- so a triangle where you're basically getting your your arm and your in your head squeezed and you, you, there's basically just all, all the blood flowing in your head and shutting things down there are different positions like that that you're just when you're first starting out you're kind of not used to so you're kind of building up the specific strength to tolerate things like that um and there have been i can't even think of the positions that i've been in but just a couple of them where guys are trying to set up chokes but they don't it's almost like if they have the choke locked in it's way less painful than trying to say it's not quite there yet because you end up spending a lot more time, you know, resisting the pressure and trying to get your way out of it than you do actually just kind of um, realizing that you're done and tapping out. I mean, you, you can tap out from anything, but you're, if, you're, if it's just someone putting pressure on you and you're not really in that dire of a position, you don't really need to tap. You can, you can hang in there for a while. So um, one, so one neck injury that I've seen in the clinic that kind of comes to mind um, and my, I know my buddy wouldn't, wouldn't mind me talking about this. I'm not going to get his name out there, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, so he had this basically, uh, cervical radiculopathy thing going on for, it was like, I don't know, somewhere between four and six months, kind of like, it was one of those, oh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of irritating me, but it's not that bad, but it comes and goes. And sometimes it is really bad. And, um, and he, he's a black belt and he's been doing this for a really long time. So it's kind of one of those things that we, we, um, you know, think that you get kind of into your normal routine and you know the warm-ups that are good for you. And when things kind of go sideways, it's kind of hard to take a step back and look at that and then realize what you need to do for it. So that's where we come in, right? We're, we're really good at saying, hey, man, everything that you do is forward. Like your shoulders are forward, you're rolling forward, you're grappling forward. Um, it's time to, you know, put a little bit of, basically just spread the load to the rear delts, the back of the shoulders, you know, kind of that, that yoke frame. I kind of take like a bro science mindset. Um, but like just get yoked and kind of get everything balanced out in the back of the neck, right? Because if all you're doing is forward and people are kind of putting pressure on your neck going that way, you can just imagine kind of the, the stress that the nerves, and all the tissues in the, in the spine kind of experience with that. So my go-to right off the bat is, you know, the classic chin tuck cervical retraction type of thing, right? If for nothing else, just kind of learning where a, where a neck position is that um, it could possibly be beneficial when you're doing all kinds of strengthening and balance work and you know and things like that. So um, that's kind of my go-to. And then any any pulling, right? We talk about a good strength and conditioning program should probably have more pulling, right? So um, we you know that's kind of where we come at 
when we're, when we're treating it. One, we have to figure out, we, we have to know what we're treating, right? We don't just take it, we don't just guess and say, oh, it's probably this or oh, it's that. We need to figure out what's going on, what makes it better, what makes it worse, and we can develop an approach from there. But generally speaking, um, what we did with him was, you know, cervical retraction, everything pulled back. Um, I cracked it and we kind of get, got everything calmed down and then just the, I call it balance, balance work, where we got everything kind of just balanced out towards the back of the shoulders, towards the traps. And he, he has been super pleased. You know, it took a couple of sessions and a couple of weeks, and it wasn't, in, to, to my knowledge, he's been pretty, pretty cleared up from all that so far. But um, yeah, so I like to just think of that. Any, anything you can do to kind of get the back, like back of the shoulders and the back, of, you know, the back of the neck kind of strong, that, that will usually help clear up a lot of that stuff. What, what have you, what have you seen? I know you've been, I know you have a long experience working with wrestlers and uh, jujitsu athletes and things like that. What have you typically seen? Uh, um, I, man, I have seen a, a lot of different stuff. I know that's a very broad answer. I'm trying to think of specific cases. I think the most recent one that I had was, um, it was an elbow injury. It was an elbow hyperextension injury. Okay. And uh, I think it was a case where, the gentleman was experienced and he was rolling with a white belt <laughs> that I guess was trying to prove himself and he didn't really get a chance to tap or something like that. So it was a basically, you know, hyperextension injury. Um, luckily nothing was fractured, but there was a little bit of soft tissue damage, that kind of thing. And that's, you know, that's going to be a pretty typical case where you got to calm things down, let things heal, build it back up, build it back up over time. And that tends to take a little bit more time, but um, gosh, what else? Um, I know we've seen, I know you and I have both seen, uh, ACL reconstruction mm -hmm. and that's a lot of fun because you're, you're going way beyond just treating that knee, right? You know, it goes, it goes into a lot of conditioning actually at the end, which is something else I was hoping we could kind of talk about when you're kind of getting to that return to sport phase. Cause you got a person here that's starting from square one, just trying to get their quads fired up. And then you got to make sure that they're going to be ready to, not only be able to, you know, put people in these positions, but also be able to take them and practice and that kind of thing too, and make sure that knee's going to hold up. So, you know, that kind of thing's a lot of fun. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I hadn't seen as many neck injuries from jujitsu. I'm not saying they're not out there. They just haven't been the ones that have come to my table. Um, back pain, low back pain. I mean, I think it's so, I think it's hard to just, put it in, in a box because th the sport is so varied and it's like, you got to be ready for anything at any time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I think, yeah. And I think that, uh, that also kind of, you know, lends itself to the demands of the sport from a strength and conditioning standpoint too, because I mean, it's not just go, 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 right. You've got to be able to pace yourself and you got to be able to manage your energy, but at the same time, you got to be able to hit the gas whenever it's time to do that too. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of circling around here, but, um, yeah, man, I've, I've seen a variety of stuff. Yeah, uh, I, wish I, could, I wish I could go into detail about a particular case like that. Um, yeah. That was a really good example. I liked how you kind of talked about the whole progression. And it makes sense, right? Just keep a simple approach. When people are constantly being, you know, rounded forward and everything's in front of them, like you said, balance it out. And, mm -hmm. you know, talking to them about getting yoked in the posterior delts and the back of the neck, that kind of thing, that's actually a really good way to explain it to patients because that's going to resonate to them. And that's going to be a good way for them to buy into it. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's like why I was having so much trouble answering that question too, because I'm like, yeah, you, you see a lot of just crazy stuff because you just, you never know what's coming and you never know 
you know, where, you know, it, most of the time it's kind of like, if, when, when it's done right, you know, nobody gets injured and everything's fine, right? It's the accidents that are kind of are, are the issue because nobody's nobody does jiu-jitsu with a quick ball actually causes injury, right? Mm -hmm. It's like play fighting essentially, where right. injuries are what where you know I had I had an example uh, the other I went to an afternoon class and in Colombia in June was you know probably all of ninety five degrees <laughs> and it's sweaty the mats are slick and we're going we're working from from the top first and somebody kind of shoots a little you know, puts a little pressure on me to, to kind of like, I had to put my foot in the mat just to stay upright. And my foot just like, whoop, right out from under me, got a little knee valgus there. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, okay, I can, I can definitely see, uh, see, yeah, you get, you get a little firsthand experience when you're just, you know, little things like that are just like, I don't have any history of ACL injury. Like that. And I was like, all right, that's kind of, that's kind of spooky. So. Yeah. That could have been bad. Yeah. could have been Real bad. bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah. So I think, but the, that's why it makes it so fun because um, when you when you're working with people like that, you can kind of see, you basically figure out where they're coming from. And I think the strength and conditioning aspect of rehab is, you know, the, the physical therapy part, the you know the, the clinician part, the, the really you know figuring out what's going on. That's where that's where it really comes into play first. But mm -hmm. rehabbing and kind of it, it's a very comprehensive approach that I think a lot of people don't realize we have. We don't have, they don't realize we have that skill set to kind of get them back to, you know, we're not just going to be sitting there with East End and ultrasound and hot packs and cold packs if we're, if we're doing our jobs right, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where 100%. We're, we're pretty much an echo chamber on the podcast right now of, um, you know, how, how we look at things and how we treat it. But um, my, I mean, my treatment sessions for stuff like this very much look more like workouts than they do rehab. So um, that's kind of where, where that comes into play. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely, I've been, you, Josh will be happy about this. I've been using that as like extra aerobic work for me, you know, whenever I, if I yeah. that's kind of how I treat a man. Cause I'm checking my heart rate. Like during, all right, my, my pulse is basically, you know, between, you know, it's over a hundred the entire time. It rarely ever get, I don't ever feel like I'm redlining. It's kind of like that, that slow, smooth, um, steady state type stuff, you know, and, uh, only during some rolling sessions, you might find yourself really struggling, but even then you're only struggling. So it's right. kind of, when you're practicing and drilling, it's a, it's a it's a good aerobic um, hour right there. So yeah, man. In mind, you know, throughout the whole rehab process, getting them back to getting them back to uh, to where they need to go is is definitely helpful. I love that, man. Taking looking at the the demand of the sport and realizing, you know, it's like okay, they're they're there for the their cervical radic in your in your example, but you know, I have to make sure that this person when they're going back and I have some of that resolve that they're they're going to be able to to perform as necessary from you know a conditioning perspective so i love that you're taking that approach and that kind of uh, leads me into a question that i wanted to ask you since you're getting to know a lot more of these athletes um in terms of what their kind of overall training looks like is it i go to the gym and i roll five days a week is it like i'm going and, and i'm doing some resistance training on a few days a week i'm rolling a couple of days a week or am i you know is it like boxing where you're putting it you know, you know old school boxers putting in their miles on the pavement like you know what does kind of a training a, a comprehensive training plan look like for some of these athletes or some of these people that are participating uh you know in in these jujitsu classes yeah so so i think the vast majority of them jujitsu is kind of their number one um, serious, consistent means of exercise, right? It's great physical activity, and it's it's over, overall probably one of the one of the best things you can do for overall mobility and uh, you know long term activity and stuff like that. If you do it right, 
you know, is, but um, I think that from, you know, from, from who I've talked to and who I've, who I've known so far, you know, if they do any resistance training, it's, it's somewhat of an afterthought. And a lot of, a lot of people just kind of never had that background. You know? We all did. And we all almost take it for granted that most, that, um, you know, that most people would, but a lot of people don't. And a lot of people don't have any experience in the gym um, with weights or anything like that. So, you know, a lot of it is just kind of, um, get, you know, that's a, I, I, I call it low hanging fruit, you know, a really mm -hmm. um, linear progression for big compound lifts can go a long way when working with some of these people. Um, you know, they've never taken the time to build any base level strength or anything like that. So um, some of them are, are former runners, some of them are former, um, you know, just regular, um, you know, go to the gym and hit the, hit the treadmill or hit the elliptical or do things like that. So a lot of them are former athletes that, you know, athletes have kind of a wide variety of experience in the field, right? Some, some are really great and some just never had any. So I think that it's kind of hard to make any generalizations because there are people that do a lot of, they cover a, a wide, um, I guess, there, there are def I know there are definitely people who do that and then also incorporate like a structured strength conditioning pro training program in there. But, you know, it's an hour a day, right? What are, what else are going to, you know, most people don't take the time to do double days or anything like that. So, right. you know, I've been going, I've been trying to fit it in three days a week. And I, so far I've only been successful there, not, not really uh, three days a week, but that's my goal is three days a week. And I've been going once or twice a week. It's been great for me to kind of add that in on top of the strength and conditioning stuff. But I'll tell you, man, time gets short real quick when you're doing that. Um, so, yeah, that's it's kind of hard to say. But um, from what I've seen, most people don't really do a whole lot of lifting outside of it because it's so much fun, man. I'd, I like honestly, there are days I'd much rather just go um, either to it doesn't mean drilling or rolling. It's it's a lot of fun going in there and learning something new, always being humble and stuff like that. Cause, you know, everybody's had, you know, the barbell blues every now and then where you just kind of get burned out for a little bit and uh, you just feel like, you know, you need to need to mix it up. Yeah, no, I get that, man. I think uh, that it's interesting. I just kind of want that you know, I don't have enough, you know, very much experience with that population from either, you know, working with them as, you know, you know, clients or athletes of mine, or, you know, in my, you know, limited time in the clinic thus far, I haven't had a ton of experience with them. So I was kind of wondering if, you know, how many uh, of, you know, individuals participating in that kind of treated as like the sole thing versus as like part of a more comprehensive plan. So that definitely is insightful. Uh, and it seems like, you know, just like a lot of other you know, activities that people gravitate to, whether it be, you know, running or anything like that it seems to be, you know, if they find that they enjoy it, they do it all the time. And there might be some room for like, as you mentioned, low hanging fruit with a little bit more balance, you know, trying to, to, you know, mix some of these things a little bit together. Um, it seems like that might be a way to keep them out of the, you know, keep them out of the, the PT clinic possibly. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, you know, barbell rows go a long way. <laughs> yeah man that that that's a really good point though i mean a lot like runners who don't strength train as well too if it, you don't have to get too fancy with it it's just the fundamentals push pull squat hinge carry right a little bit of that goes a long way and i think the evidence will reflect this and it probably is the best thing that we can do in terms of injury prevention as well um with jiu-jitsu athletes so um that's that's an important thing so definitely if you got people that come in 
to the clinic, you know, make sure you have these conversations with them. Don't assume that they are rolling and that they are lifting at the same time because they're probably just putting all their eggs in one basket. So the low hanging fruit, just like Sean said. Um, one of the other things I wanted to hit on kind of goes with this is that, you know, for people that do compete in jujitsu, this, this is a weight cutting sport. So I know that Sean from the days were since the days when you and I were wrestlers way back in high school, a little bit longer for me, um, you know, weight cutting has come a long way. I mean, it's no longer where you got people running in trash bags and sweating it on a sauna. I mean, it's a little more scientific, but for someone who's coming off an injury, regardless, they're probably going to be in a caloric deficit, right? And that, and that is relevant to the rehab setting. Is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Um, I haven't had too much. So coming from powerlifting uh, most recently, uh, you know, I always say don't, don't try and cut weight, right? When you're, when you're starting out, don't even worry about it. Just try to get as big and strong as you, as you feel like you can without um, being the ultra smart person that I am. Nah, I got this. I'm going to cut as much weight as I can. Um, and so I, I actually had, I thought, you know, I kind of half joke about that, but it's just, it's very much the same as why I'm doing jujitsu, right? If I'm going to be working with people who are cutting weight, I want to, I want to go through it myself and kind of, you know, I want to know what not to do and what to tell people too. So I've had 14 pound weight cuts, which ended up being, you know, a, a good chunk. Uh, I've had, you know, set, I think I did a 17 pound weight cut from 197 or 197 and a half. That for a 24 hour weigh in. And that was, um, I definitely picked up a couple things along the way that I would tell people not to do, like don't cut that much weight. That's not <laughs> But yeah, so if they're, you know, you, I think education is a big piece of that. You know, I haven't seen any jujitsu competitors who have been too concerned with their weight yet, either in the clinic or in the gym. Um, because I don't, I don't, it, it just didn't seem to be that big of like, the culture there isn't as, um, it just doesn't seem as intense regarding weight cutting or competition or anything like that. So yeah, that's not to say that that doesn't exist. Um, it just hasn't been my experience yet. So when they're coming, you know, if they're coming off the ring, they kind of have a goal weight in mind. You know, I think you got to take the general strength and conditioning principles into play and, uh, you know, talk, talk at them, talk at, talk at them with like a little bit of common sense. You know, you probably don't want to be cutting weight, either staying too low or, you know, trying, trying to achieve a weight class that is just, that's not good for you. Um, and, you know, that is a, uh, more of an art than a science, I think, when you're working with people one-on-one like that. I think it's sure. very individual. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts there? Well, I think that it's, it's relevant to the individual, the person that's in front of you. So, I mean, say this is a person who had a catastrophic injury and they are going to be out for a while. You know, they might not be comfortable with some of the nutrition that's going to be needed to heal properly and that kind of thing. But at the same time, you probably are going to have some people who are doing, I guess, depending on when a tournament's coming up or when some kind of competition's coming up, um, you know, they might be doing some of those old school methods where they're going to be forced to cut, you know, 10 plus pounds of water weight in a day or two. And um, I think that when it comes to treating someone in the rehab setting that, you know, it's going to be very relevant and that's going to probably affect in some way what their outcome is going to be in the clinic. And my point with it is just to, be aware that jujitsu is or can be a weight cutting sport. And it might just be a point of conversation to talk about in the clinic, you know, 
maybe during the eval, just make sure it's brought up in that kind of thing. And, you know, try to meet people where they're at, because if some, if you're not familiar with this and someone says, yeah, I've got to cut 10 pounds by the end of this week and you have no clue that this is part of the sport and your jaw is going to drop. You're like, no, you can't do that. You need to start drinking water. And then guess what? They're never going to come to see you again. So, um, you know, that's, again, that is a, a very much a science. I mean, this is like a thing where there are people that make a living just off helping athletes cut weight and make a lot of money off of doing that too. But again, just wanted to make people aware we're talking about jujitsu, that weight cutting is part of it. And, um, I'm by no means the expert on it, but, um, you know, I can see where you kind of got to get into the nuances actually in the clinic as a PT. Yeah. I, th I think, I think, um, one thing that I, that I kind of pride myself on is I'm not afraid to sound like an idiot. Right. I'm, I'm going to be like, Oh, tell, so tell me about this competition. You have to cut weight. Tell me, give me as, because I want to learn from them in as much, you know, firsthand as, as they can give me. Right. I'm not, let my ego get in the way and act like I know everything when I don't. Um, so that's I think if you're if you're if you're coming at it with that perspective, you're going to catch a lot of things that they probably wouldn't wouldn't have thought to tell you. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think that's a you got you got to be able to to work with them on that and kind of give them the you know. There's definitely a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And right. There's a bunch of wrong ways to do it. So yeah. Um, yeah. Not, and also not overstepping your bounds and acting like you you have all the answers and telling them oh yeah I can help you cut weight you know that's probably not the best thing for a license either because that goes sideways. Oh yeah, I agree hundred percent. Yeah, you definitely don't want to get a, a kidney failure <laughs> as a as a complaint on your uh, license. Well, if you just if you just stop taking creatine, you know. You oh geez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sean, man, I, we can't thank you enough for uh, taking some time with us today, man. Anything you wanted to, to add or, or chat about in regard to this topic? No, I think, uh, I think we covered a lot of stuff, man. No, I, I, I thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed that I get to see you guys on a regular basis um, several times a week. And yeah, I, I, I really, really, really love the podcast and everything you guys are doing. So, you know, we're out there uh, trying to change the world one step at a time. So, Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's real. I had I had a question for you, Sean. Are you gonna start? Are you gonna compete anytime soon? You gonna choke some people out or risk some off? Because <laughs> nah, nah. if so, man, we can get you a vertex key. Oh, you know, dude, 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 for sure. Be, vertex rash guard. Yes. <laughs> every, every, whatever you need, man. We got you. Oh no, I appreciate. It. I'll keep that in mind. That'll definitely uh, that'll be my way to go if I ever do it. Um, no, I, that is so far outside of like outside of the realm of where I'm thinking. <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, um, Sean, thank you so much for taking time to film this podcast and you guys yeah, keep crushing it at the downtown office. You guys are doing awesome out there. It's been gangbusters. Oh yeah. It's been, it's been great. It's been yeah. Trying to try to keep up with Casey. <laughs> I hear you, man. All right. Well, before we sign off, I just want to take a minute to thank all of our loyal listeners. We appreciate all the, the, what, the episode requests, the DMs, the Insta stories, uh, what else, the, the iTunes reviews. We love you guys. And if you enjoyed the episode and you want us to keep bringing back great guests like Sean, all we ask is that you tell your friends about the podcast. And that's it. We did it, guys. Another episode. Exactly. Have a great week. We'll be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.